Welcome to the Healthcare Quality Cast, where we spotlight today's most exciting and inspiring quality professionals within the healthcare industry. Our podcast will dive into the career journeys of leaders that work daily to improve quality, safety, and service outcomes for patients, their family members, and their communities at large. Our mission is to provide motivation and direction to our listeners, encouraging you all to continue your efforts in improving the overall quality of healthcare. And now, your host, Jarvis Gray. Quality people, welcome back from the Thanksgiving holiday, and thank you for joining in with episode number 44 of the Healthcare Quality Cast. I'm happy to share today that I'm totally having one of those I'm getting old moments. I first worked with our guest years ago while she was just an intern, and now today I'm interviewing her as a healthcare executive leader. Sheena Butts is an industrial engineer, an ASQ certified Six Sigma black belt, and currently serves as the Associate Vice President of Surgical Services at Lakeland Regional Health in Lakeland, Florida. Sheena has also served as the past AVP of Care Continuum, Organizational Effectiveness, and Management Consultant, again, all with Lakeland Regional. And just in case quality people, you are out of the loop. Lakeland Regional Health has received state level and national awards for the innovative approaches to reduce patient waiting within its emergency department, which is consistently ranked in the top five in the nation for total amount of ER visits. Here in episode number 44, Sheena starts our show with an Einstein quote that centers around our value proposition as both people and healthcare professionals. Sheena walks us through her career path, moving from a high school math teacher into healthcare industrial engineer intern and into her most current role as an associate vice president. Sheena shares a great dark moment story that led her to shifting her mindset around how to make improvements, who gets the credit, and how she sets a let's just try it culture within her team. She shares her aha moment connected to deploying gimbal walks throughout her organization and describes the qualities within the leadership approach needed to make it happen. Listen closely as she highlights the incentive programs implemented at her facility to recognize sustainable success and safety and operational excellence. In my experience with Sheena, I remember her being the perfect balance of focused and flexible, brilliant and personable, and tough but inspiring with this incredible ability to achieve goals as planned and within scope. Sheena, thank you so much for your time and your words of wisdom in today's show. It's been an honor again to watch your growth as a healthcare professional, and I wish you the best of success in all things moving forward. Also, I would be remiss if I didn't throw a quick shout out to Chuck, Derek, and the rest of the LRH team. Quality people, thank you again for plugging in with our show. Be sure to plug in also with our LinkedIn group by simply searching for the Healthcare Quality Cast, and we'll be back next week with another quality guest. All right, so Sheena, are you ready to share with some quality people? Sure. Perfect. Well, Sheena, we love to start every show with positive affirmations to really get our momentum going. And I would love for you to share with our listeners your favorite quote or your favorite mindset, but also share with us, how do you apply it on a daily basis? So one of my favorite quotes is an Einstein quote, and it says, strive not to become a man of success, but a man of value. Um, So for me, in my mindset, I think often we can really measure um, success easily today. You know, how much money do you make? How many cars do you have? How many houses do you have? 
uh, what are you wearing? Um, but really, you know, to become a man of value or woman of value, it's really what impact um, are we making? So that's really my mindset as I go about my day is like, what impact am I having? What relationships am I building? You know, what am I investing my time and my resources in? You know, who am I empowering? And so those are kind of the questions and the mindset of how I'm going about, you know, my life um, and trying to make a difference. Well, and I appreciate you sharing that. You know, when I when I think about what we do as quality and process improvement leaders in healthcare, the key theme or the key word is value. So I think that speaks directly, if not to the profession, at least to us as people. So that that's a spot on quote. I appreciate you sharing that. So Sheena, I have to first start our episode with um, thanking you. I already told you I was going to thank you a thousand times as we talk today, but um, thank you for coming on. And if it's okay to share with our listeners, I mean, right now you are an associate vice president within your organization, but I can honestly say that I had the honor of knowing you when you were, quote unquote, just an intern, um, taking your first job into the healthcare arena. So thank you for coming on. It's been an honor and a blessing to watch you grow and just develop as a professional. And I appreciate you giving your time with our listeners today. Thank you very much. All right. So first question I have for you with, with that big thank you and, you know, just highlighting some of the pieces of your background, we'll love with you to share with our listeners, what was your actual introduction to quality? Uh, what led you into this career path? Uh, how did you get started? Well, you did meet me when I was intern. <laughs> and I actually, at that time, I was a, you know, a former math teacher. Um, so I taught math for six years. I was actually going to school at night um, to finish my engineering degree, um, and then it just happened to be that at USF, University of South Florida, they decided that they wanted to do a project um, for the industrial engineering students in partnership with Lakeland Regional, and they had four slots open um, in addition to our professor to come in and work on improving um, the emergency department um, flow and the processes um, at Lakeland. So the professors kind of reached out to me. I think they probably looked at me and was like, oh, she's the most professional. Maybe we can get her. Um, and so they asked me if I'd be willing to come out and be, you know, an intern. And then I could choose a few other team members. And I said, well, I mean, do you pay? Um, number one, because I was like, I can't, do, I need to, you know, make some money since I was a teacher. Priorities, and two, right? <laughs> I was like, is, you know, is it flexible hours? You know, can I come in and kind of work, you know, at any time? And they're like, yeah, it's a 24 seven operation. So you can come in at any time and the ED is open, you know, all the time. I was like, oh, okay, well, perfect. I guess, you know, let, let's go for it. So I came in um, and we started working um, as an industrial engineer. We actually were interns for about you know, a year and a half as we worked on that um, emergency department project. And then once we were finished, they said, hey, we really like, you know, industrial engineers. I think we need to hire them full time. Um, and that's, you know, when we had the pleasure of getting to know you, Jarvis, and then we you know, became a team and our own department. And then from there, just kind of grew um, at LRH, taking different um, various roles in quality and performance improvement. So, I went from being as you just an industrial engineer to becoming, you know, our director of organizational effectiveness. And then I moved into becoming the associate vice president for um, organizational effectiveness and the care continuum, 
um, for the system. And then as most recently moving into an associate vice president over all of our surgical and procedural services here. Well, and Sheena, I'll be honest. So I think one of the reasons, well, I know one of the reasons I wanted to reach out to you specifically um, is because on top of just being an amazing quality person and a quality improvement leader in the healthcare role, what I'm really impressed with, again, is just the way you've been able to move your career forward. I mean, even like you said, starting from um, being a, a math teacher to jumping into um, you know, growing your skills and going through your educational program at USF to now being in the healthcare world and moving up. I'll say what feels like at least relatively quickly within the span of what, four, five, six years maybe yeah. to grow into an associate vice president. Can you talk about your career focus? So I met you as an intern. Um, you know, we hired and partnered together as a full-time staff member now you're an AVP, what has that transition and that growth been like for you and maybe some of the goals that you may have set to say, you know, I wanna grow, I wanna, you know, go attain my, you've earned your master since we've partnered together mm -hmm. as well. So what, what, I guess, what was the thought process? How'd you kind of piece that path together? Wow, that's a hard question. Um, I would just have to say, never say never. You know, you can do anything. You never know what opportunities may lie before you. Um, so I think it's just trying to do um, the best to, uh, oh, this is hard to, t let me think about this one, Jarvis. <laughs> oh, go for it, go for it. I know there's a lot wrapped up in that question. Um, and, and in all fairness, I did not give you a heads up <laughs> that I was going off script. So. Yeah. <laughs> And I felt like maybe part of it was going back to your your original quote, just being a person of value. Um, yeah, sure I, I, I think part of it is, yeah, just always, you know, it's really, you know, my passion is I love solving problems. Mm, um, nice. And I love seeing, you know, the difference that we're making for the future of healthcare delivery. And for, you know, for me, you know, I'm not scared. Um, of trying any new role. I think that's one of the things I've learned that even though I might not have a lot of experience um, in maybe what they're asking me to learn about or maybe possibly asking me to lead, um, that they you know, know that I'm willing to dive in and get right in there, get in the weeds, understand you know, where the opportunities are, um, prioritize you know, what we need in order to improve and really um, drive to the value we want to deliver um, for the patients and families we're serving every day. So, you know, one of the the jobs, you know, as part of the associate vice president over the care continuum, I actually had oversight over the social work and case management and integrated care teams. And I am not a social worker <laughs> by um, training, um, any definition of sorts. I do not have a social work degree, but I was willing to go in there and learn um, everything that it takes in order to um, work with patients and families in order to move them to the next level of care and just understand where, where there were some opportunities for us to do it better and really help empower the teams, you know, with the tools and resources um, that we have um, just to make it a better process for all. So I think it's just being willing to be a learner every day, being able to get in there and work alongside the teams you're being asked to lead every day, I think that's where you're going to drive um, and have the most value. 
All right, wonderful. And I, I again, I'm really, you know, I'm thinking now as you shared a lot of your response, the uh, young professional that I had a chance to encounter just again at a very early stage of your healthcare career, um, just hearing how you shared that response, not being afraid, jumping in, being willing to learn. Uh, that was the person that I remember working with so many years ago now. So just perfect. Keep doing what you're doing. Um, I'm really impressed and again, just thrilled that you're having the success that you're having. So wonderful response. Uh, next question I have for you, Sheena. I've been calling this question here kind of the dark place question because what I want you to do now is take us through a journey of a point in your in your career path that you would probably call maybe one of your worst as a healthcare quality leader. Take us through it, maybe tell us a story, but definitely share with us, you know, some of the decisions and thought processes that you were going through to try to turn that moment around. So I've been thinking about this, and I think it's really more of a life lesson. Um, for me, I just remember I was in the shower one day and, you know, sometimes great ideas come to you when you're in the shower and I left and I was like, oh my gosh, I have this great idea for, um, we were on a surgical process improvement project at the time and I came in, I was like, oh, this is something we can do and it'll help improve the flow and it's a way that we can, you know, look at how long the surgeons are taking with their, with their surgeries and how we can buffer it and make sure we're, you know, um, you know, pulling the patients in timely, and just, I was so excited about this idea, um, and I remember going, and I was sharing it um, with my, uh, you know, a former uh, manager at the time, it wasn't you, Jarvis, and I, I they were, you know, not excited, um, they're just like, oh, I had that idea before, and I was like, oh, well, I didn't know that, um, I had never heard anyone say it, and I remember leaving, and I was like, man, I really want to try that idea. I think it would really, really provide a lot of value. I feel like we'd be able to get patients in into the operating room even faster. Um, and then I kind of felt a little dismissed because they were like, oh, it's, you know, I already had that idea. Hmm. And then later on, you know, I had, was in a meeting and this particular person kind of shared the idea that I had um, in front of a large group of people as their own. And so then I was really aggravated. <laughs> I was just hmm. like, I left and I kind of started you know, fuming a bit. And I was like, oh, I just can't believe it. You know, how could they, you know, blatantly, you know, tell me that they already had the idea and never share it. And then like very suddenly after I share this idea, go and like kind of share it as their own. So I really just had to, it was eating me up. And I finally just had to change my mindset about it and just think to myself, you know, at the end of the day, what are we trying to do? We're trying to serve you know, patients and families. We're trying to make, you know, their healthcare journey easier. Um, we're trying to make their healthcare journey better, hopefully make it more economical. And I said, at the end of the day, do I want to be really known as somebody that really cares about getting credit for ideas? Or do I care more about making great ideas happen? And so for me, it was just a shift in my mindset to just say, you know, it's really about making great ideas happen. So regardless of what may have happened um, in this particular instance, I kind of always put that, you know, in my pocket to say, you know, whatever meeting I'm in, whatever problem solving opportunity that we have, you know, am I working to make great ideas happen? And I think often project teams, you know, sometimes get stalled because you see the struggle of those um, 
that kind of have been maintaining a status quo or maybe they already have come to you know a solution on their own and maybe they only want to see their solution implemented even if someone else brings something that may be a little better um, to try so for me it's all about let's just make great ideas happen because at the end of the day that's how we're going to provide value all right. Well, so first of all, not cool. Um, you know, stealing, <laughs> stealing the idea and sharing it right in front of you. Um, definitely. I, I think if, you know, if I put myself in that position, I think I could easily have said, I think I'd be fuming as well. So, so kudos to you just for, you know, taking the, the high road and just really, to your point, thinking that it's about, you know, putting, um, the team first, putting the patients first, and really coming up with solutions. But um, let me go off script again really quickly and maybe ask, as now a leader yourself, what are some really good, um, you know, thoughts or good tips to maybe do the reverse of what you did? You know, when you have some of your team members now who may come to you with ideas, what are some good things to spur them on or to help um, foster that idea, support them, you know, influence them to, to take a chance and test it? Any, anything that you do specifically that, that now would, you know, if you were the leader in that scenario that you shared, that, you know, you would have done different? I think it's some of the things that, you know, I do on a regular basis with the team members. It's really asking them, you know, what ideas do you have? and you know, how can I help empower you to make this happen? Um, what can I help? What barriers can I remove for you? Um, what escalation do we need in order to make this happen? Um, let's try it. <laughs> I mean, let's, I mean, I think we're sometimes just so afraid to try something, but hey, I mean, at the end of the day, let's try it and then we're going to learn either way. Um, and then we can come back and say, okay, did that work as intended? If not, let's go back to the drawing board. Maybe we just have to make some small tweaks. Um, I think sometimes we're so um, focused on making sure that we plan it out, you know, right, um, that sometimes it inhibits us from even trying something new. Um, a small example of that is one project um, that we had is, you know, patients prior to surgery they often would be asked to come in like four, five, six hours before their surgery. And so I came in, we kind of really needed to understand what the current state of the process was. We identified that, you know, the patients were being told by the doctor's offices to come in so early just in case, you know, they had a cancellation. Um, and then they were told, you know, they're going to have to be registered and that's going to take a while. And so that we found that the patients were arriving, you know, at 3 a.m., you know, they were waiting in a waiting room to be registered, then they were going to be registered, then they were asked to go to another waiting room and wait again until they were called on to the actual um, preoperative unit where they would get prepared for surgery. And so we really identified that there were so many opportunities for us just to remove the waste in the amount of waiting for patients so that they could come in only two hours before their scheduled procedure time. Um, but we could automate the message that went out to all patients so that there was no doctor's office having to call them, that we would take ownership of that. And then we would answer any questions that they have. Um, we would take and the registration piece and bring it to them. We would bring it to the bedside. So that as soon as they arrive, they can go straight to where they're going to get prepped for surgery and we can get them in there timely. Um, so with that, um, at first, you know, there was a lot of pushback to really change all those processes and, you know, change the status quo of them having to like go to the registration area and sit in like a registration um, office. 
And once we change it, it says, well, let's just try it. Let's just try it till 9 a.m. every day and see if that works. Um, and once they are willing to try it, um, they recognize very quickly that, you know, the patients and families really appreciated it. We were able to get the patients in within two hours like we had intended and set a goal for ourselves to do. Um, and we were, you know, they were easily able to see the success of that. So then they were willing to provide the resources to kind of extend that bedside registration until, you know, most of the day. So it worked out well. Oh, wonderful. I think those are definitely some solid, you know, tips. Um, I, I'm almost shooting myself in the foot with uh, maybe one of my next questions coming up in a second here, but um, some really good solid tips on just supporting the team. Um, I, I found with um, teams that I led, at least after you guys, as again, I slowly became a better leader myself, was really just trying to establish even what I called a, a yes-if culture. So, you know, if the team came up with various ideas, it was saying, yes, we can do it if, and that's where you start to, like you said, mm -hmm. um, think through the details and the planning, the logistics or whatever. Um, but then, you know, having to pitch that to senior leaders and get the right support, but it was always yes. The answer is always yes, if we <laughs> develop it appropriately. Yeah. So, wonderful. And it should be the mindset, you know, it's how can we not how can we not? Like that's what we want to go into as we're working with all of our teams and looking for ways that we can improve. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, let me move you to the next question because like I said, I think I'm I'm trampling on one of my future questions for you. So I'm gonna jump right into this. But uh, Sheena, we'd love for you to give our quality people one tip or tool or tactic that you found really uh, works well for building up those intimate connections on project teams. Uh, what is it? How do you apply it? Uh, hopefully something totally different than, than creating the right environment to even just be project improvement leaders. Gosh, um, one tool, one tip, one tool. <laughs> I don't know if it's one tip or one tool. Sure. Um, I think, you know, like you said, everyone must feel safe on the project team. They have to feel that they have the ability sh to share um, their true thoughts and their true feelings. Um, we, you know, they have to understand that, you know, everyone has an equal voice um, and that everyone has a chance to talk. Um, I think sometimes, you know, one of the things we even battle with today is sometimes and I've seen even our senior leaders kind of evolve in this, is that often we'll be on a project team and you'll see, you know, the most executive person share an idea and then immediately it's like down the line, oh, that's so wonderful, oh, that's so great, oh, doctor, oh, blah, 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 it's so great. And then you're like, you know, no one's really sitting there going thinking, hmm, that maybe wasn't the best idea, but, you know, let's, you know, have some other dialogue. I know that there's probably some in the room that may have a differing opinion or maybe do not agree. So really making it so that some healthy debate can occur when we're really trying to figure out what the best solution for a problem may be with you know, our given resources or possible constraints um, and really being open um, to everyone and vetting them out equally um, and not just giving you know, a preferential bias based on you know, position or rank. Um, which I think sometimes, you know, in organizations, you really can fall fall prey to that. Um, in addition, I think our senior leaders that we really have, some of them evolve, hopefully myself, is that, you know, we really try to stay quiet. 
um, and really allow the team to talk. They really allow the team to brainstorm um, for them to bring forward their ideas because most of the time they have the best ones. Um, and then from there, figuring out how we can make them happen. No, I think I think to your first point, I loved um, you know your example there. I think that's something that I've seen quite a bit, uh, just in my experience at different levels. Um, one, you know, I guess one tip that I've figured out with that is that on project teams, we'll usually assign somebody now. We call it the DA role. So somebody is a devil's advocate. Yeah, officially assigned to be the devil's advocate, right? Yep. So that's that's the naysayer, and then their only goal is to challenge every thought. You know, regardless of how they even really feel, um, it's just to to be the naysayer. Now, naturally, everybody's I think culturally starts to plug in and, and challenge ideas also, but it was just that one person that gets to to throw the red flag and say, "Wait, hold on, just because you're the you know whatever your role is the the chief surgeon or the president or whatever, um, they still challenge the ideas and that helped balance that out. So I, I love that you shared that point because I, I think that can get overlooked a lot of times. Oh, and yeah, I'm definitely not afraid to be the devil's advocate. <laughs> and I also think people have to feel that they have the ability to throw a red flag if needed. I think that's a gift. You know, when you're thinking about decisions that may affect the whole organization or your team, you know, it's often can be a green light. Hey, I totally support you. If I, you know, was in charge, I'd make the same decision. Let's move forward. Um, we may take a yellow light. A yellow light means, hey, I may choose to do something different if I was in charge, but I'm going to go with you. I'm going to try, you know, this idea with you. I'm going to support you 100% um, with you and the team but I might have chosen to do something differently. And a red light is really, hey, let's stop the line. I really don't think we should move forward because I think there may be you know, a ripple effect that hasn't been discussed. Maybe there, there'd be an unintended unsafe consequence of us moving forward um, with this strategy or idea or solution. And I think those are opportunities to really, those are gifts um, because if we potentially could move forward and we don't think about the unintended consequences, um, maybe something unsafe could happen. Um, I know for us, I think we had a rule that was built um, at our in our EMR, and something happened where you know they made another rule. And if anybody knows the EMR, sometimes you know when you make a change or an upgrade, sometimes the rules break. Um, and it wasn't until someone stopped the line and kind of raised the red flag and said, "Hey, I don't see the patients, you know, getting their." you know, troponin series like they should um, when they're coming in with chest pain. I think there's something wrong. It's not flagging us to make sure they get this series in the time window that they're supposed to have it. Um, and then by that, you know, team member speaking up and feeling safe to do so, you know, they were able to investigate it and quickly um, solve that problem and ensure that, you know, we were providing safe care to everyone. All right. Wonderful. I love I love just that that entire dialogue there. I think that's going to carry far with our listeners because that, again, should be one of those things that I, I, I'm willing to guess that a lot of people probably deal with and and quietly accept on a normal basis. So I hope that truly, truly resonates there. But um, let me move you to the next question because this is uh, hopefully going to be, uh, I'm, I'm interested to see what you're going to share on this one, Sheena, but uh, would love for you to give us maybe one of your best aha moments that you've had as a quality professional. But again, go ahead and share with us the story. How did the idea come and hit you? And were you able to turn it into a personal or a professional success? 
one of the best aha moments or the things that we've things that we've implemented here at Lakeland Regional that really stands us apart is Gemba. And Gemba, you know, is Japanese it meaning for the the real place or where the work is performed. Um, so every day, you know, leaders, we go out to every single unit um, and we touch base and connect and communicate with all the team members that are performing the work every day. And we talk through um, what we're trying to achieve together. What are our true north priorities? So they relate around safety, quality, financial, and operational. And in those, you know, we have kind of what are the, the lag measures. These are the measures that, you know, we report out every month or every quarter. So things like how we're doing with our fall rate, you know, that is a safety measure. How we're doing with patient and family experience, um, how we're doing with our length of stay, how we may be doing, you know, meeting our actual, you know, budget or operating margin. And so we have those lag measures and then underneath, you know, the team members get to decide, you know, what they want to do in their business unit to improve and help drive those true north priorities. Mm -hmm. So for, you know, trying to reduce falls, for example, which we are now well below um, the national average and one of the best performers in that is that, you know, we, I, the teams get to decide every day what strategies they're going to implement in order to try to prevent falls. So some of them may do audits to say, okay, are we doing every fall prevention bundle? Some may decide we're going to track, you know, maybe there's an opportunity for them to increase their rounding frequency. So they're going through to make sure, you know, they're doing the rounding as frequently as intended. Um, for some, for, you know, length of stay, they may be tracking, you know, from a discharge order, how long is it until we can actually get that patient out the door and trying to make sure we minimize that as much as possible and try to get it under two hours wherever we can and then tracking and then identifying, you know, where did we miss? You know, what were the things that we missed on? Is there something with a Pareto chart that we're identifying that can be our next strategy for implementation so we can continually improve? Um, so it's really getting everybody involved in the game. And so then we really become the coaches in that process. Um, and it also is an opportunity for every day. If any team member anywhere has an idea that they would like to share, um, there's an opportunity for them to place an idea ticket. And then we can vet out those ideas as a team and then decide, you know, if it's something that's a just do it, let's just make it happen yesterday. Um, it's something that's a go because we're going to have to involve some believe it's a very valid idea and let's move forward to see how we can make it happen. Um, some things may be a hold just because the organization may have some budgetary constraints, but then that also provides some good dialogue um, about maybe we have some budgetary constraints for that particular idea, but what else can we do? Is there something that we can do in our solution space that may still meet the need? Um, and then, you know, something that's a no-go is, you know, very rare. It just may be something like give everybody a million dollars, which, you know, we don't have the ability to do. Um, but very few things ever, if at all, are in the no-go section. Um, and from there, I mean, team members have shared uh, it's hundreds upon hundreds of ideas now that have really made an impact and have really provided value in our organization. All right. So I, I guess I want to stop there and probably at least say to the listeners, if you're Listening to this episode with Sheena, um, at the end of the episode, we are going to ask you to connect with Sheena because 
Sheena, what I, what I took from everything you shared there are so many good practices around developing a lean culture within the healthcare system. Mm-hmm. So you said Gimba, um, and I have a question for you in a second about that, but just to quickly sure. recap, but you, you noted you guys are get, doing your Gimba walks and your rounding sounds like on a daily basis. Um, you have a process for your, your staff members, your frontline leaders to submit thoughts and ideas and even kind of vet them out appropriately. Um, sounds like you have a pick list process. So I'm assuming you all probably have some forms of visual boards and visual management and huddling processes throughout the the hospital, if not various departments. Um, I mean, these are these are very much not just the cornerstones for implementing lean management systems in a hospital, but also things that really walk you down the path towards high reliability and improving your safety culture, your culture of service to your staff and to your patients and so forth. Um, so I guess am I in the right ballpark? You guys have much more than just Gimba going on. It sounds like a, an entire management system behind a lot of that, right? Absolutely. So, and with that, I wouldn't say this management system is in any way um, expensive or um, difficult to implement. It, a lot of it has to do with you know tile boards that you can get from Home Depot that are like thirteen bucks a piece. They're like six <laughs> by eight. Um, we have you know. Just you know, electrical tape that we've used to kind of divide the sections. We're using you know um, sheet heavy-duty sheet protectors or things like that that people can kind of place you know their updated information in. Um, we make it very simple, um, very simple tracking mechanisms. It should not you know be more than a 15-minute um, gathering of information to do the Gemba every day. So it's literally you know simple. You know we yes no. Um, how many out of the total, you know, and we're just literally making it red or green. Did we meet our goal or not? And if we didn't meet our goal, then we're having the, the team members kind of write down the reasons why as a Pareto chart, and then we can kind of track those reasons and determine if there's, you know, a different strategy we may want to employ in order for us to meet um, our true north goals that are defined, you know, for each area. All right. Amazing. So it's very simple. We use SharePoint for some of the idea tracking. Um, but typically most of the units kind of track the ideas and their progress on their own and then kind of have a way to kind of summarize and communicate um, where those ideas are and when they've been implemented and what the outcomes have been right on their unit. No, that, that's, I mean, that, that is just so really impressive to hear. I mean, it's simple. It's, you know, very um, um, pro, it's proactive, but just, you know, very practical, right? Um, I would, right. Love to maybe throw in one extra question for you because I see that all of those practices are very, very doable for any organization, but the key, I would imagine, really comes down to leadership. So would love for you to maybe just talk about the leadership um, vision, the leadership mindset, any cultural things internally that you all also maybe talk through or work through, you know, behind closed doors, more or less. But what was kind of the leadership approach to getting that put into place and to getting your leaders to actually follow through with doing it? Any any lessons learned there? Well, I think we're um, pretty blessed in that, you know, some of our executive leadership are um, industrial engineers and they have lean training and would like to see that disseminated across the organization so they were able to kind of give us the free reign to design um, a system that we could deploy, you know, system-wide um, 
that everyone could kind of get behind and follow so that we could implement Gemba uh, across our organization. I would say we also had our physicians, we attended a local hospital that had Gemba at their institution and they came back and were really excited to also implement Gemba here. Um, and so we took that learning and kind of designed it and tweaked it so that it would fit, you know, Lakeland Regional and kind of to say, I mean, for us, for leadership, it's been there since day one. Um, we were very blessed to have, you know, physician executive leadership that were willing and wanting to partner with us to implement Gemba throughout our system. We also have, you know, executive leaders who also are have backgrounds in engineering or are lean trained. So they were really excited um, for us to kind of deploy this lean management system across our organization. And so they supported us in our endeavors. Additionally, they were willing um, to sacrifice, you know, their time every day on their calendar, you know, an hour every day to get out there and round um, in all the areas and all the units and make that connection. And it really, you know, for the hospital, it really had to become a habit. Um, and it takes, you know, quite a few weeks um, for you to, you know, really build a habit sure. and to make it meaningful. So with that, I feel like we have gone down the journey where we've made it a habit. Um, and even though at this point in time, our executives aren't able to round every day, um, you can be across the organization at any given day um, and you'll find that everyone is still doing Gemba on their units. Um, and now our executive presence kind of is more once a week or once a month that we're able to get out there and go to every single unit on the front line. Um, so with that, um, it's just been, it's now ingrained in our culture um, when we talk about, you know, where we're going to share information or where we're going to track our improvements or, you know, when we're sharing some ideas that have come from staff, almost all of them will have said, you know, oh, at our Gemba, you know, this is what we've done through Gemba that we've, you know, we've achieved this through, you know, Gemba, which has been awesome to see. Um, and in that, we've been able to design some nice recognition for the team members through Gemba. So there's a couple of programs. One is the Operational Excellence Award. So if a unit has sustained, because it's one thing to kind of achieve a goal, it's another to actually sustain it over time. And I think that's really where the work begins um, for any business unit is really making sure that you can sustain that improvement once it's been achieved. So if that unit has achieved for 12 consecutive months um, a, a goal that has been set for their unit, maybe it's they've achieved a fall rate below the national average, maybe that they've had zero um, catheter-associated urinary tract infections or zero central line-associated bloodstream infections, or they have been, you know, we've had, we've gone over 80% with our first start cases starting on time in our operating room for 12 consecutive months. Like once we've achieved that goal, then we can submit for an operational excellence award. Mm -hmm. That is an award that the CEO recognizes that team. They have a giant fellowship. They are celebrated at our patient and safety Institute meetings. Um, they are shared, you know, in our talent updates. So they really were promoting um, all of the hard work and effort that the team members have, you know, really day in and day out have done.
sustain and achieve um, the goals for the organization that we need to achieve, you know, to really keep our patients um, safe and for us to really be highly reliable. So that I feel is fantastic. Um, we also have something called a treasure day. So it's more of the interim kind of celebration. So as we are working towards the journey, if we have sustained um, a goal that we've set out to achieve um, for our business unit for three months, you know, we can submit that and the team can celebrate with a treasure day and really just continue that momentum. And then on the individual level, um, we have some things that we do called patient and family experience awards. So those are awards that really are not recognize the individual for a goal like caudies or clapsies. It's really recognize the individual for the care um, and their attitude and their um, behavior that they're demonstrating every day and sharing you know, our always behaviors with our patients and families. So it's peer nominated. Um, it's someone who comes in every day who gives it their all. Um, that's really a team player that you know always is willing to take patients and families where they need to go. Always willing to offer a lending helping hand. Um, and in that, you know, we recognize um, those team members every year with a special award. And then we also have a good catch program. So we really, as we try to promote our culture of safety, we really want to, you know, we don't want to just know when incidents occur. Um, we want to know, you know, if there was potentially something that could have occurred, but it was caught by the team member before it reached the patient um, or before, you know, it reached a team member or, you know, someone else in the system. So we really have a good catch award program where you know, you can now, instead of putting in an incident, you also have the option to put in a good catch. So you can say, you know, I've identified something and I caught it before, you know, a mistake was made or an incident occurred. And that allows us, you know, one, to really promote, you know, stopping the line, promoting that culture of safety, but it really allows us to get ahead of where there may be an issue or an opportunity to fix a process before we have an actual um, serious patient safety um, event or a serious patient uh, team member event. So with that, they, you know, report and then, you know, they put kind of like a little baseball on a glove on the Gamba board. And then every quarter we, you know, pull a name um, for what we believe was like the best catch of the quarter. And we kind of talk through, you know, what was identified and, you know, what actions or what process improvement occurred. Um, from learning about that good catch. And then we also do every quarter that whole team or department um, for where that good catch was found. We will celebrate with some, you know, food and who doesn't love food, food and fellowship um, and recognition. Well, so I, I would definitely say you, you took my, my setup for your uh, response there and you took it and you ran with it because, again, not only did you just highlight, you know, the great leadership and again, I, I, I mentioned to you, I brag about you guys all the time, but I also brag about, uh, you know, the, the leadership team there at Lakeland, um, yeah. just from Dr. Thompson all the way down, you know, just some really impressive leaders, but you also highlighted, you know, kind of the incentive base that also goes with changing culture. So it's the leadership involvement, you know, allowing leaders to lead, but you guys put the recognition tools in place and the incentive tools. So, you know, you're giving them a pat on the back, but you're also celebrating and you're right. Once you bring food, 
to the event. I mean, it, it people are going to it just have high expectations. Um, and not to mention, um, I, you know, I've bounced around a lot of places in my healthcare career, but Lakeland, hands down, has the best cafeteria in America. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, literally world-class chefs. So, um, no, you, you, I think, did a great job just highlighting all of what it takes to get, you know, a, a great Gimba management process in place, um, getting leaders involved, but then keeping the staff engaged. So it's uh, just so awesome to hear all of the progress that you guys have been making down there in, uh, in Lakeland, Florida. Let and me... we do have the best cafeteria. I'm still eating there <laughs> six years later. <laughs> well, so I, I brag about, it. I mean, just even, I, I have not been able to find a really good cup of cafe con leche since I left Lakeland. So uh, just, you know, from the local coffee shop to the bakery that's in the cafeteria, I hope all those things are still in place, but I, I miss it personally. Oh, yeah. We now have a satellite cafeteria. We have the WIP Cafe, the Women in Philanthropy Cafe, too. So if you come back down, treat you to lunch there. All right. I will be really quick to take you up on that. But um, Sheena, we'd love to uh, to keep you moving because I know I'm, I'm going to eat up part of your day here, um, just bragging and getting you to tell so many great stories. But um, would love to to get you to share with us what are some current changes taking place across the healthcare industry right now that you're excited about? And what role do you see quality professionals playing to promote or support its longevity? Oh, there are so many changes that are happening. And I think it's exciting um, because I think with quality um, professionals, currently a lot of some of what we're doing is very reactive. And then we're trying to respond to you know, the quality data that we're seeing, um, whether or not, you know, we're trending in the wrong direction with a particular infection rate or, you know, uh, a safety measure. And I think part of where we're going in healthcare is looking at, you know, a hospital system health. We have been very good for a very long time about fixing people when they're broken, but now it's kind of changing the mindset is how do we keep people healthy? And what kind of tools and technology do we need in order to really educate, inform, you know, nudge and encourage those healthy habits that allow us to really get ahead of the curve um, so that we're not having to see or, you know, deal with um, some of the safety issues or quality issues that we're currently um, working on improving. So I know, for example, a good bit of what we take care of in a hospital is folks that have chronic conditions. And chronic conditions are a lot of times things that depending on our you know, diet and lifestyle choices and the things that we can do um, outside of the health system can have a big impact on reducing um, our need um, to be hospitalized as frequently with those conditions. So I see us you know, using, you know, technology to really develop better care continuum and population health platforms that just like your phone today, I mean, all of us, I, I look at my phone, I'm like, Ooh, how many steps did I do today? Ooh, I did over, you know, 10,000. And did I get, you know, did I, did I have, you know, did I get, meet my mileage goal? Did I did nine miles? I'm like, yes, awesome. Um, so in that same way, really looking for ways to kind of encourage people to be making healthier choices. Um, so that we ha can have a better outcome and really so that our healthcare system can really be sustainable for all moving forward. Um, 
so that's one thing. I really am excited to see how we're going to be using AI in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, I know, for example, um, IBM is working on, you know, machine learning that can really help augment, um, you know, radiology's review of images. And I think back to my Grammy who recently, you know, she was hospitalized quite a few times and, you know, had a couple of different CT scans done before they found and identified a very large mass in her colon, which is colon cancer. And she ended up having to have, because they kept misdiagnosing her as a UTI, they just kept giving her antibiotics. Um, Because of that misdiagnosis and just the waiting, um, it actually... She ended up having emergency colon surgery. She had to stay in the hospital for a few weeks. Um, And then from there, she pretty much had a very long road of, you know, chemotherapy. And I just think, you know, there's, there's opportunity for us to use machine learning to help us make better decisions and especially make better, you know, diagnostic decisions that may recognize something that the one individual that's looking at it may have missed. Um, and it may, you know, also help to take some of the bias out in that diagnosis process to be, you know, another um, kind of like a bias checker for the physician to make sure that we're really, when we're, you know, looking at someone and we're really analyzing their record or really analyzing their tests and their their diagnostic images, that we have vetted the possible, op- you know, options um, that that person may or may not have. Um, so that's one thing I look forward to. Um, and then, you know, just thinking about, you know, our, our digital front door and direct-to-consumer healthcare. I think often we have these very large um, brick-and-mortar, you know, buildings and hospitals. And, you know, a lot of the care that we can provide um, in the future, probably we provide it in the comfort of one's home or on the go. Um, so I think about how can we be, you know, ahead of the curve in that game to be really providing um, digital and director-consumer ways that we can access, um, you know, our community members so that we can, you know, keep them on that path of a healthy journey as long as possible. Well, and, and I'll tell you, so my my next official question for you is, how can the healthcare industry become a more attractive place for ambitious and talented quality professionals to start and grow their careers? Um, but if it's okay, I'd like to maybe tag on to that a little bit with everything you just shared uh, with the last question. Uh, you know, with so many futuristic opportunities that are coming and will, I mean, a lot of them, let's be honest, a lot of them are already here. They just are working on their spread process now, but um, are there any other skill sets or any, you know, anything else that quality professionals also need to do to be able to, you know, anticipate some of these changes or to whether it's extra trainings or certifications, I don't know, but uh, would you have any thoughts both ways? Uh, What does healthcare need to do to keep us, but then what do we need to do to to keep up with the evolution? Healthcare. I'm hitting you with all the tough questions. I'm going to paraphrase a little bit of Simon Sinek here, but, you know, we really have to keep our eyes open um, and be really ready to jump in um, the opportunities that lie before us because we got to look at, you know, you got to think that, you know, so many of 
the industries today have been uprooted by people that are not currently in their industry. Um, when you think about um, Amazon, you know, being a online bookseller, and now they're just in almost every single industry, and they're in the fabric of all of our lives um, daily. Um, and they're constantly looking at ways of how they can deliver more value to their customers. Um, and they have a strong desire to really get into the healthcare industry. I think in healthcare, we really have to be willing to challenge the status quo. Um, because I think right now, there are so many other industries that really are willing to challenge the status quo to make it better. I mean, you can think of the car industry right now, you know, we have Tesla, who is an upstart that's taking on, you know, all of the major auto manufacturers, you know, with, you know, a fleet of electric vehicles. We have, you know, Amazon getting into healthcare, but they started off as an online bookseller. And now they pretty much can ship you anything within two days, almost in the entire world. Um, and to think about, you know, all of their expertise and logistics and delivery and, you know, how they're constantly willing to change the status quo to upend an industry that we never thought um, they would be in. Um, you think about Kodak, you know, they, did, they invented the digital camera, but they were so concerned that they were going to um, lose the revenues from the films and the, you know, chemicals that they sold to people um, that they weren't able to invest um, in that new technology and really see it grow. You think about, you know, Blockbuster. You know, they didn't want to invest in that subscription model like Netflix because they are so afraid of losing the revenue of the late fees that they would charge folks for renting movies at their brick and mortar stores. So I think there's so much, you know, in healthcare that we really have to challenge the status quo. We have to look at, you know, what we may be relying on as our revenue streams now will not be the revenue streams that we're going to be able to count on in the future. Um, we are very much getting incentivized to really work on how we are, you know, keeping people healthy, how we're managing, you know, an episode of care for a patient for not just when they're in the hospital, not just when they're getting a procedure, but from before they even enter till after the procedure to, you know, time like 90 days after they discharge from the hospital and really ensuring that the care we provide, um, is getting the outcomes that are intended and that we're doing it in an economical way um, so that we're not um, wasting, you know, the resources from Medicare or from other payers. So I think there's so much that we need to do to continually challenge the status quo and ensure that we're not afraid to start running the race. Because if we're, you know, just like in your GPS, you know, as soon as you start the destination to get somewhere, it really you're, it's the choices that you're going to make with driving that are going to really show whether or not you're going to be able to get to your destination faster, or um, if you're going to be able to save any time, or if you're really going to be able to, you know, win the race. So as we get out there um, and are looking at how we can capitalize on, you know, new ways of healthcare delivery, 
we really have to be get in the race and start making the strategic decision so that we can actually um, pull out ahead. Uh, or if not, um, I really feel a lot of the health systems, how they're designed today, um, will be in jeopardy um, with you know how we stay um, solvent in the future. No, uh, that's very fair. And I really like the GPS analogy there. I think that's a, a very appropriate one. Um, so perfect. Um, Sheena, I, I'm happy to say that you are at the halfway point. So I oh. am going to move us into what we're calling the two minute drill, very much our rapid fire question and answer uh, part of the, the interview here. But first, just giving a quick check. You ready? You ready to roll through some of these? Sure. All right. Wonderful. Um, Sheena, would love for you to tell our quality people something about your current role that inspires you to do your best day in and day out as a quality professional. Oh, when people come to a hospital um, where they're really needing to have health care, they're really at their most vulnerable. So it really inspires me to be able to try to make health delivery better for everyone. Um, I feel a lot of times people are scared. Um, they don't know where to go next. They don't understand um, all the processes and things that may occur. So whatever I can do to make their journey better, I really, that inspires me. Um, I also love my job. Every day is a lot of fun. Um, I learn something new every single day. Um, and it's exciting. Um, you know, the healthcare industry um, has just so much potential. Um, so that's what inspires me every day. All right. Wonderful. And what is the best piece of career advice that you've ever received? Oh, I think my mom, she's like, don't waste your brain. <laughs> um, and, you know, really all the time, um, she's always been, you know, a giant um, cheerleader and advocate for me um, and really believes, you know, I can do anything. I think my whole family believes that and everyone that I've met. Um, and it, it has taken me a few years, you know, in my adult life um, to believe the same and to really develop that same confidence. And then just really the ability to never say never. You never know um, what opportunities may come your way. Um, and then just be open and willing um, to try something new. Um, and you never know where that journey may take you. I, you know, if I rewind, you know, five years ago, I would never guess that I would be where I'm at right now. Um, additionally, I would never have had, you know, some of those experiences that I've been able to um, take part in um, had I not been open um, to the different opportunities that have come my way. Well, I can definitely say that um, never waste your brain and ne don't waste your brain and never say never. Um, first time we've had those two pieces of advice on the show. I think those are wonderful pieces. Though. I love the simplicity. It's like simple, but powerful. I love it. So, yeah. um, Sheena, do you have a mentor that has made an impact on your career? Oh, so many, so many mentors. I think I'm very blessed um, here with the leaders that I have. Um, they have done nothing but support me, empower me, and grow me. Um, they are really here to see um, that I be successful one day, you know, my dream, I would love to be a COO of a health system one day, potentially maybe a CEO. Um, I can't wait to see what the future will hold, but I have, you know, Dr. Dina Nelson, Dr. Um, Tim Regan, Sarah Baggett, Dr. Francisco Chablis, Dr. Janet Fansler, 
all of them if you got a chance to meet them. Um, They're all so passionate about the work that we do every day. Um, and I'm so blessed that we have a trusting team that every day we can come together, we can challenge each other, um, and we really can come together to really look at how we are providing value for the patients and families that we serve. Um, so it's an exciting journey, and I'm very blessed to be a part of the team that I'm I'm with right now. Additionally, I, you know, I really, my former boss, Dr. Gwen Kessel, who was, um, she was our principal um, when I was a math teacher for six years. Um, she really taught me a lot about what it looks like to be a servant leader um, and how, you know, no matter what, you know, she had 800 students, you know, 100, you know, teachers and staff members that she is responsible for. And she always made time um, for you. And she always made time for me. And I, you know, I always remember very vividly some of the conversations that we've had about, you know, at that point in time, it was really growing young minds and just changing my mindset um, and my perspective in life um, and how we can really, um, you know, grow the future generation of leaders that we have. So I thank her for all the time and effort um, and energy that she spent in growing me as well and helping me succeed. Wonderful. And I appreciate you giving them a shout out. Um, hopefully they get a chance to plug in with the show and at least hear the impact they've made with you. So I appreciate all of that, uh, that information shared on your mentors. Would uh, love for you to share a personal habit that contributes to your success when leading quality initiatives. Perseverance, perseverance, perseverance. <laughs> I think it probably all sums up to that. Um, I'm just willing to just keep on going, um, even in the face of adversity, um, that you keep on persisting um, when you know you're you're working to do the right thing. Um, you keep on persevering when you know you need to get something done, um, and it may require others um, others talents or other resources to make it happen. All right, wonderful. And could you please share your number one internet resource, or it could be a mobile app on your phone, um, but share a resource that helps you to be the most productive. Oh, that is hard. Um, well, I love Spotify. <laughs> Fantastic. Love to listen to music. I love to listen to podcasts like Freakonomics. If you haven't, if you have not listened to that one, um, it is fantastic. I definitely am a Wall Street Journal fan. I tend to read the um, weekend read section a lot. I really enjoy all the articles um, they happen to place there. A lot of them have to do with healthcare um, and you know the future of everything, which is exciting. I like Harvard Business Review. I think a tool that I use often that I never thought would be so useful um, is Microsoft OneNote. Um, just for organizational purposes, because you really cannot, you know, lead large teams of people without being fairly organized. Um, and I have found that tool to be very useful in kind of organizing, you know, people and projects and, you know, different communications. So if you haven't tried that, it's definitely a good one. All right. Wonderful. And uh, I am happy to share a simple plug, if nothing else, that uh, the Healthcare Quality Castle is on Spotify. So oh, just, right. just in case you happen to come by that. Yes. <laughs> but uh, next question I have for you, Sheena, is could you please share with our quality people a professional association and a professional conference that you think would be a value add? 
sure. Um, I have been with the Association of the College of Healthcare Executives for a few years. Um, I have really enjoyed um, being a part of that professional association. I have learned a lot. Um, they do a lot of actual local events where you can come and network and learn from others. I recently was able to attend a, a telemedicine um, conference that was hosted at a local university, which was excellent. Um, additionally, the conference I think would be great for all quality improvement professionals to attend is the Institute for Healthcare Improvement. Um, there, you know, healthcare performance improvement quality professionals from all over the world gather, um, and they really look at ways that we can improve quality on the granule level, which projects that you can look at and take and implement in your organization, but they also talk about how we can improve healthcare delivery on the global level. Um, and I appreciate that learning every year and just seeing where we're going and what opportunities lie before us. All right, wonderful. And do you have a book, a favorite book that you would recommend to our listeners? And what do you think uh, would be the benefit of them plugging in with that book? Well, I will admit I have been indoctrinating myself with Simon Sinek as much as possible. So I'll give the <laughs> plug um, to him. But I really... And I really feel like he has been helping to change my mindset a lot um, about leadership and, you know, what we want to do um, to really empower those um, that we are being charged to lead. So the book, one of his books is Leaders Eat Last. Um, some of the things, it's really not, um, leadership is not about being in charge. It's taking care of those in your charge, which I think is a very important lesson for everyone. Um, and really that, you know, the courage of leadership, it's like giving other people the chance to succeed, even though at the end of the day, you know, the responsibility of getting things done, you know, lies or rests on our shoulders, but it's really about um, empowering others and really being that coach. So I really enjoyed that book. Um, I really enjoy, you know, his mindset and really thinking about making sure, you know, we are more focused on people and building those relationships and not so much on the numbers and those arbitrary targets that we may set for us, you know, ourselves every quarter or every year that we really need to be um, building relationships um, with the people and not so much the numbers. All right. Wonderful. Which I think, you know, for myself as an engineer and someone that, you know, has been very data driven, you know, as important as that is, it's not as important as growing and leading the people and then the numbers will take care of themselves. Yeah, it's a it's an interesting uh, balance from what we're, we're typically taught, right? <clears throat> All right. So, Sheena, the last question, uh, I'm proud to say you've made it through the entire interview, but the last question is a personal favorite now because I'm going to get you to reflect on your past while having you look forward to your future. So, Let's say that you're able to send one text message to yourself 10 years into the past and one text message to yourself 10 years into the future. Take a second to think about it, but what would you communicate in each one of those messages? It's so hard because, you know, in the past, like where you are today is because of your past. So would you want to change any of it? Um, but for me, I think it would be you got this dream big. Um, you are fabulous and don't worry about what anyone else thinks of you. Um, I think that's probably what I would give my younger self. Um, I think my future self, I think I would say, you know, 
take time for your passions and pursuits. Um, you know, the goal is not to be perfect in the end. It's just to be better tomorrow. And I would think I would ask myself, did you build your dream house yet? I probably would ask. <laughs> <laughs> no, wonderful. Wonderful. Sheena, I just um, cannot thank you enough just for your time. I know we went well above our plan time, oh. but um, your feedback, I think everything you shared today was just um, just super valuable. So I appreciate you being open to jumping on the call with me. And before I let you go, I would love to end today with you giving our quality people a parting piece of advice and definitely sharing the best way that they can follow up with you or connect with you on social media, um, especially with so many of the great points you shared earlier about Gimba. I really hope folks reach out and just, you know, choose to to try to pick your brain a little bit further on that information at a minimum but um, after that we'll officially sign off all right the best piece of advice oh what should i say what would i say <laughs> these questions were very deep jarvis i will say i, <laughs> I was like oh there's a lot <laughs> um I mean, it's only it's only the way that folks are going to remember this entire interview right here. i know i no, know no pressure at all <laughs> all right all right. So my advice, I for me, I think the advice would be to be resilient, to not be afraid to be an original thinker, to think about what the possibilities would be for the future and work to capitalize on those. Be a team player, be a team builder, and be a good communicator. Those would be the advice. And at the end of the day, um, dream big. Sky, space. I mean, space, there is no limit. I think that's, there's no limit. Um, and then for me, you can connect with me on Sheena Butts. Um, I am available on LinkedIn. I'm happy to share any details or any information about any of the things that I discussed today. All right. Wonderful, Sheena. No, I, I think that was a perfect piece of parting of advice. Um, thank you so much for all of your, your just knowledge and sharing today. And to our quality people everywhere, thank you for listening and making us a part of your day. This is Jarvis Gray signing off. Thank you for listening to the Healthcare Quality Cast brought to you by the Quality Coaching Company. If you love the Healthcare Quality Cast, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review. Until next time.